The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel.
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. O Lord, our Father, All that stands within us that is not of you is filled with pride and anger, resentment, revenge. Oh Lord, I need you today, and my brothers and sisters need you today as you come and humble our hearts before you and ask us to come more fully into you, Jesus, that we might dwell in you, crucified with you, and yet not us being alive, but you being alive in us. Lord Jesus, would you come today that every word that's spoken on this broadcast will be anointed by your Holy Spirit. Lord, I desire with all of my heart to meet with my brothers and sisters who are listening right now. How I wish I could meet them. Lord, how I wish I could meet them face to face. I pray you will bring that to pass, Jesus. But for now, we come face to face with you, Jesus. Would you give us the courage to be honest about where we live and how we stand and and what our true heart condition is? Lord, strengthen us and help us to be honest before you with no hiddenness, no games. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, pastor of the National Prayer Chapel. I've been up since very early this morning. I usually wake 4.30. I begin to pray. Begin to cry out to the Lord. And he's been once again confronting me and convicting me about the pride of my heart. The need to be right. Someone will come against what I've said or what I've done angrily. 
and I want to rise up and defend myself. That's not what Jesus called us to do. He said to love our enemies and do good to those who curse us. But I have to be right. I have to straighten you out, don't I? No. No, let the Holy Spirit straighten us out. It's not easy to turn the other cheek. That's what Jesus said. Turn the other cheek. If somebody slaps you on one side, turn the cheek and let them slap you on the other. I'm dealing with some of that right now. It's not very easy. But when the peace of Jesus is in your heart and the joy of Jesus is in your spirit, Oh, it's not hard at all. He calls us to love our enemies and do good to those who who curse us. If we're asked to go, if we're forced to go one mile, then go two miles. That really gets down to the very heart of it, doesn't it? And I've had trouble getting my heart humbled before God. And part of my prayer time this morning was focused on, do I need to survive in this world or do I need to live for the next? Do I need to take care of myself now? Or do I need to prepare for the next? And what about the the rent? What about food? What about the necessities of life? And do we have to fight for those things? Do we have to scramble for those things? I sat for a long time at a coffee shop last night with a dear brother who's just in agony. His mother is desperately ill. She's in Ghana. And he needs $7,000. And he asked me if I could help him by loaning him $7,000. I said, if I had $7,000, I would would gladly give it to you. His mother is dying if she doesn't have this heart procedure, and they'll only do it if he pays cash. So his mother's dying if he doesn't find the money. I don't have the money to give him. I said, I can pray. And so that's what I did last night. And then I got up this morning and after dealing with my heart and humbling my spirit before God, forgetting about myself I began to plead for the resources for my brother to be able to pay for his mother's surgery. I mean, this is real life, isn't it? 
things happen. Expenses are there. Mortgages have to be paid. The car has to be dealt with. Cars don't run on on zero. You have to have money to pay for repairs and for gas and for oil changes. How do we deal with these things? Well, there's a word in Scripture that that talks about this. Matthew, the seventh chapter. I'm sorry, Matthew, the sixth chapter. Verse 31. I'm going to read from the Lavender translation, which is a very literal translation. So never begin to worry. Never begin to worry. Saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we put on? For the Gentiles seek after all these things. Now your heavenly Father knows that you have need of them, of all of these things. But you must seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is, you must seek the divine authority of God by his rules, by his ways, by his scriptures. You must seek to live under the authority of God and seek after his innocence. No double-mindedness, no unbelief. His righteousness, it's dikasune. It means everything put in its proper place. And all these things will be added to you. So never begin to be anxious for tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for the things of itself. Sufficiency for the day is its own trouble. What I hear Jesus saying in this portion of the Sermon on the Mount is that we have to get things in the right order. We have to understand that that before we begin to be concerned about food and the rent payment or the mortgage or the car or all the other things, the credit cards, before we even begin to be concerned about them, we must sit down before the Lord and talk with him and seek his divine authority over our lives. Now, I don't want to be shallow with this scripture, but maybe I just need to say it to you. He's talking about things that we need, not things that we want. What do we need? We need food to remain alive. We need clothing to keep us warm and to be modest. We need a roof over our heads. We need some form of transportation. We need a job. These are the the basic needs that we have. We need water. We don't have to have a new car if our old car works. We don't have to have a new house if our old house works. Those are wants. 
But I want to go much deeper than that. In our hearts, there has to be a place where we have come to an absolute conclusion that what I want is what Jesus wants. That what I desire must be what Jesus desires. Not what my flesh desires. That I must come to a point in my life where I finally am willing to say, Jesus, my life belongs to you. And now what would you like? I'm your servant. I'll go where you tell me to go. I'll do what you tell me to do. I'll wait upon you. I'll search the scriptures to understand what your ways are. I'm not going to spend my time in the entertainment of the world. I'm going to spend my time with you, Jesus. And all that I do from this point forward will be for you and for your kingdom, Jesus. Okay, now when I've taken that position and I seek his righteousness, I'm asking him, please, Take the pride from my heart. Humble me, Jesus. You see that wicked nature in my heart that wants to rise up. Would you just remove it from me? Will you destroy that human spirit coming out of the devil from the Garden of Eden? Would you just change me now and by faith stand and believe that it's done? And watch the Lord, not watch you, not study your belly button, but search after Jesus. Your eyes on Jesus, searching after Jesus. Things are only hard when we want something that Jesus doesn't want. Things are hard when we want what Jesus doesn't want. When we go out on our own and try to create something for us, separate from Jesus, that's when things get hard. And that's what the pagans do all the time. They're always out there creating their own reality, choosing their own way of life. That's the way the pagans do it. Running after Praise and honor and glory and position and power and stuff. I don't want to live that way anymore, and I won't. I will not live that way anymore. I'm done with it. I want the kingdom of heaven. So I've been sharing with you this week again out of Pilgrim's Progress. And the observation is made by Bunyan in this wonderful book, Pilgrim's Progress, that everyone must go through Vanity Fair. Even Jesus had to go through Vanity Fair. And in Vanity Fair, or in the city of Vanity, there are many things to buy. So what will you buy? And what makes the difference between 
something being vanity, foolishness, unnecessary, and one of the basic needs of life. So the question is, will you shop until you drop? And why are you buying it? Who are you impressing? Who are you trying to win the favor of? Are you buying whatever you buy out of the city of vanity in order to further the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ and to care for your own physical needs as directed by the Holy Spirit? Now, the pilgrims were asked, what will you buy? Their response was that Bunyan gives, we buy the truth. We buy the truth. Now, this offended people in vanity. It particularly offended the merchants And they began to call them names. That's happening today. Are you going to buy into the homosexual agenda? Are you going to buy into the sexual uncleanness of our day? If you reject it, you will be roundly condemned by many. A young student was interviewed this week, that's putting it mildly, for why he put up a poster on campus saying, it's okay to be white. That was considered to be racist. Well, where I come from, it's okay to be white. It's okay to be black. It's okay to be yellow. It's okay to be red. It's okay to be a human being. When did it become an offense to be white or black or Jewish or Egyptian? But today, the argument is centered around blacks, whites, Chinese, Japanese, Koreans. They all hate each other. But in Christ, we're all one. We all have the same color blood. If we're a follower of Jesus, we're red. I suspect in heaven we may not be white or black or yellow. We may all be red. I don't know what we're going to look like in heaven. But vanity, the city of vanity has everything in it. They ask Christian and faithful who they were, where they were going, why they were dressed in these strange garments. Remember the the music I played last week? Um, This precious family, she covers her hair with a scarf when she sings and prays, and, and she dresses in very plain clothing. Very, very plain clothing, like an Amish. And some people look at that and say, 
Why? Well, because she doesn't want to look like the world. Now, I'm not recommending you dress in any manner except that which is acceptable to Jesus, modest, without gaudy adoring, adorning, both for men and women. Christian and Faithful's answer is very significant. They told them they were pilgrims and strangers in the world and that they were going to their own country, which was the heavenly Jerusalem. They also told them that they had done nothing to the men or the merchants of the town that should have caused them to be mistreated and detained from making progress on their journey. The only thing they did that caused an offense was to tell those who were trying to sell them their wares that they would only buy the truth. Now, they appointed a a court to examine these two men and came to the conclusion that they were vagabonds and troublemakers who had created confusion in the fair. And they took them and they beat them and they smeared them with dirt and they put them in cages to be a spectacle to all the men of the fair. And they stayed in those cages for some time, the objects of ridicule and malice, of revenge for any passerby who wished to abuse them, which caused the one who was in charge of the fair to to laugh with joy. But the pilgrims, Bunyan said, remained calm and patient, When men would come and yell and scream every sort of vile abuse at them, they responded with kind words. When men came and cursed them, they in turn blessed them. They returned good words for bad and kindness for injuries. So that's what I was talking about at the beginning of the broadcast. We are called not to yell and scream at people, not to curse the homosexual or the adulterer, or the fornicator. But we're to respond with kind words to people, not approving of their behavior if we understand and believe that it's wicked, but we are still required to bless them and to return good words for bad and kindness for injuries. Some men were very thoughtful and and less prejudiced than the rest, And they began to criticize and rebuke the more brutish of the men of the crowd for their continual abuse of the two pilgrims. And this caused real division in the city. In fact, some in the city said that they should be put in the the jailhouse with them. I just heard a, a foolish congressman say that if a family doesn't believe in vaccinating their children, never mind that often autism has seemed to occur out of these injections loaded up too fast. His position is that if you have a religious objection to having your children vaccinated, then your children should be taken from you and you should be put in prison. 
I can hardly believe that things like this are being said in America. There is such rage against righteousness, such rage, and the filth is like a geyser coming up in our nation. It's overflowing in the streets. It's terrifying. Christians can no longer be invisible in this world. If you're a true Christian, you will stand out in the crowd because you won't be wearing the clothes of the world. I spoke to one person about the clothes they were wearing. They were very offended. I said it kindly. I said, how how in your mind are you able to wear that pair of pants and say that you're following Jesus? They're so tight, every curve of your body is showing. Is that what it means to be a Christian? They were enraged. They wanted to kill me. It seems to me that we've come to a time in our culture when Christians need with great love and compassion to stand for the truth. Not my truth, but for Jesus. He's the truth. Not for my argument. I did a broadcast recently on on the lie of imputed righteousness. And somebody wrote back to me and said, I see the word imputed in my Bible. Offended. No curiosity. If they'd been curious, I would have told them the word imputed is not in the Greek. It's accounted. It's counted. It's enumerated. It's an accounting term. It's not a covering over with a false cover of grace. But we're so sure we're right and we're so, we've not studied it. We're just full of self and full of knowledge that someone has taught us without searching the word ourselves. What I'm trying to say is there are many angry words that can pass, that we can speak, fighting and struggling and even causing injuries, dividing families. Separating brothers. We're called to conduct ourselves with with dignity and with wisdom. With love and with compassion. It's so easy to be into what we're into and think everybody else should be into it as well. Well, I'm into one thing. I'm into Jesus. I've laid everything else down. I said to a a dear brother, we don't know how much longer we're going to live here. I'm getting older. Seems strange to say that. Didn't take any special skill. It just took spending time. But I don't know how long I have on this earth. 
I want to use every moment I have to make sure of my calling and election. And then to help as many other people as I can as they journey toward heaven. And that's why I called this broadcast Pilgrim's Progress. I want to help you on your journey to heaven by addressing these very painful knots, issues, struggles in our hearts. You know, the devil comes and he attacks us at the most opportune times. One brother said, everything in life runs in cycles. And when the cycle is down, that's when Satan likes to attack. I've noticed this. I've talked about it in terms of God breathes in and then God breathes out. And when God's breathing in, all the money dries up. All the resources dry up. And we don't know if we'll survive. And then God will breathe and everything flows back. Well, right now I'm in a time when God is breathing in. And it's at a time when I need to be pouring out for others. So now it's easy for Satan to attack and say, see, you're not doing what's worthwhile. You're not successful. You're a loser. You can't do this. People don't want to hear you anymore. Turn it off. Get off the radio. Stop it. No. I wait on the Lord. I humble my heart. And that's why this morning I had to, coming back to this topic, I had to go before the Lord and just say, Lord, I have no complaints. I have no issues that I need to address with you except that of my praise and worship, honoring you. For I know that now is a time when you're breathing in and you will breathe out again. So I'm waiting on the Lord. The Lord said, wait upon the Lord and the Lord will carry you through. Rest in me, Ray. Well, those are three different stages. First comes the waiting. And that's when it seems like God is breathing in. And then he carries. He carries us. It's God breathing out. And through it all, we rest in Jesus. We don't judge one another. We don't antagonize one another. We we try to meet the needs in every way we can. And when we can't meet the financial needs of other people because we have nothing, then we cry out to the Lord on their behalf, knowing that he's carrying us. So these two pilgrims, they're charged with inciting a riot in the city. And again, they're beaten without mercy and they're shackled in irons. This is to frighten anyone who would dare think of being opposed to the fair. Now, what's all of this about? Well, the fair is where everything is purchased. The city. The fair is the Walmart, the 
it's the it's the grocery store it's Wegmans it's Giant it's it's the hardware store it's Lowe's it's Home Depot it's the car dealership it's it's everything in the city and there are things we need to buy in the city we need to buy food we need to pay for a house we need to pay for shelter apartment i have a dear friend who is has been notified that he's going to be evicted from his apartment he needs $2000 for that apartment He asked me if I could help him. I said, I can't help you with money. I have none, but I can help you with prayer. And so I spent time praying with him about his house and about the eviction. You know, my heart just breaks for people's needs and... There should be food in the house of the Lord to take care of his people, but that's not happening right now. But I can pray, and I can lay it before Jesus. But you see, everything that we do as we pass through Vanity Fair, and we pass through Vanity Fair all of our lives, we have to just be very clear that we're not going to participate in the merchandising and in the shallowness and that everything we purchase is going to be used to build the kingdom of God. See, I don't, I don't have money that belongs to me. Even the few dollars I have, they belong to Jesus. So I had $60 this morning and I received a text message from a poor man who needed to buy propane for the heater in his house so he and his wife would not freeze. So I drove to their house this morning before the broadcast and gave them all I had. That's what it means to build the kingdom of God, to care. I mean, this man is a pagan. He's not a Christian. His wife is not a Christian. They're pagans. Humanists. Broke. Devastated. Crippled. It means that we do all in our power to reach out and care for others and with love and with compassion we give to them we care for them and so we buy those essential needs that Jesus gives us the money to buy and he is the one who provides for us but our attention is not on our needs. Our attention is on, on Jesus and what he wants to do 
and what he wants to accomplish. So what do you want to buy? I I want you today to say, I choose to buy the truth. I buy truth by Jesus. And I'm going to do what I need to do to serve him and to serve his people and to serve the pagans and to draw their hearts to Jesus. See, I don't want to go to heaven alone. I want to take a crowd with me. So this this time for me is a time of humbling my heart. Waiting upon Jesus. Resolving everything that would rise up in my heart and saying, Jesus, I seek first your kingdom and your righteousness. I seek first your kingdom, Jesus, and your righteousness. And I know you'll give me all that I need to help my brothers and sisters. Am I being too simple? Isn't this what it's about? Loving one another, caring for one another. I can't tell you how... (laughs) I've got to tell you this. A listener sent a check to help pay for December. A hundred dollars. And Mark, if you're listening, thank you. I got a great laugh out of what you did. And tucked in the envelope was a note that said, for lattes. And there was a $10 bill. And I just laughed. Isn't that so like Jesus? (laughs) The Lord is so kind to us. I praise his name. But I know where all of this has to start for you and for me. Humbling our hearts. I have to recognize the pride of my heart. The hardness of my heart. The greed of my heart. I have to recognize the desire to be somebody, to accomplish something. And all of that goes to Jesus. He calls us to walk humbly before him, loving our enemies, doing good to those who hate us, blessing those who curse us. While all the time standing firm on the truth, on Jesus, and rebuking wickedness, rebuking evil, calling men and women, as I do with you, to come and repent before God, to give up your cynicism and your anger, to give up your pride, to humble your heart before God, to read the word to pray, to meditate, to seek his face.
Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude, because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. For if you spent, have you spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery and lust and drunkenness and orgies and carousing and detestable idolatry? They think it's strange that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I come today to you and say, please. You may be walking in fornication and drugs and party life. You may be in prison even. You may be utterly unclean. If you'll come to Jesus and allow him to give you a new heart, everything will change. If you will humble your heart before him and repent of your sin and say, I am done with this life. It has not served me well. I have been utterly miserable in my drug addiction. I've been miserable in my wicked sexual preferences. I've been wicked. I've been ugly. Lord Jesus, I come, forgive me and you name those sins that you've committed, and you repent of those things, and you confess the name of Jesus, and you ask him to come and make you into a new person, I'm telling you, sinner, right now, God will meet you, and he will redeem you by his blood. Now, I'm trusting there's somebody like that right now listening. That's what the Holy Spirit is telling me, that there's Someone listening who is in that valley of decision. Am I going to just go on living this worthless life? Am I going to kill myself? Or am I going to turn to Jesus? And I am pleading with my sister, turn now to Jesus. I'm hearing that it's a brother. Would you turn now to Jesus? Mister, would you turn to Jesus right now? I also am hearing in the spirit that there are some of you who are calling yourselves Christians, but you know you are not a follower of Jesus Christ. You are a follower after the own lust of your life. You have a girlfriend on the side. You're committing fornication. You're living with her. You know it's wrong. The Holy Spirit's been calling you to come out of that mess. Will you come out today? Will you say enough is enough? I'm done with this wickedness. I'm also hearing that there are some of you who are in great anguish of heart because your finances are a mess and Christmas is coming and you can't afford to buy anything. You're just trying to survive. You need to come to Jesus and lay it all down for him and tell him all about it and let him come with power to heal your heart 
And the most important gift you can receive is Jesus himself. Let him baptize you afresh. Let him minister to your heart. Because when everything is in the right order, joy will fill your heart. Peace will be in your heart. May I pray for you? Lord Jesus, I know that there are there is a man right now in the valley of decision living an utterly filthy, unclean life, and he knows you've been calling him, but he's been resisting and fighting, but he's listening. Lord, would you reach out right now and would you deliver him from this wickedness? Would you redeem his life from the pit? And would you give him a testimony to bear that you saved his heart and life from the enemy and you made him into a new man? Lord, thank you. And Lord, I know there's a sister today who is in great anguish of heart, not knowing where to turn or what to do. Lord, cause that sister to turn to you, Jesus, right now, and you open a path before her for full redemption of her situation. For she and her children. Lord, thank you for your kindness. Lord, thank you for what you have done for me and for us. Thank you that we could share these few moments together and be really honest about who we are in you, Jesus. And I just plead your mercy. I plead your love and your forgiveness, your grace. Lord, I love you. And many who are listening right now to this radio broadcast, they echo the words with me, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And I humble my heart before you, and I bow in homage before you, for you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you are coming again with a mighty army to redeem your people. Lord, thank you. I just worship you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Move now in every heart and call them close to you. Put your arms around them, Jesus, and call them out of the darkness and into the light. Heal the wounds of your people. Heal the sick of your people. Lord, we just stand and wait for the fullness of revival to break out in this city. Thank you, my Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen. You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley from the National Prayer Chapel. I'm so glad you joined us today. I pray it's been helpful to you. I'd love to hear from you. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. That's the National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. 
Now you can also go online, nationalprayerchapel.com. You can also go to our videos. Just go to YouTube and put in uh, Pastor Ray Greenlee videos or Pilgrim's Progress videos. And many, many, many of them will come up, including today's, as soon as they post it. I'm looking forward to hearing from you soon. I need help with the December radio bill. I know you'll help me because you stand with me in Jesus. And thank you to each of you who give. I'm so grateful. God bless you, my brothers, my sisters. I love you. I look forward to meeting you face to face. I'll talk to you soon. Oh